Wednesday standing in every campus. It's uh, so great to be here, but I want to pray. I, I really believe that this morning, this word is a God word for 2017 for you. And, and you know, you can sort of come to church and, and be a spectator and just hear what someone's going to say. Or you can say, you know what, I'm going to draw this thing out. And this could be a word that could change my whole 2017. So will you lift your hands in every single campus? Come on, I'm going to pray. Father, thank you so much, God, that you are a good God. Thank you that you want to use every single person in every single campus to do extraordinary things. Father, I pray today that there would be such a hunger, there would be such a spirit of faith in this place. And I pray for every single person that they would hear personally from you, that you would whisper into the spirit of every person in this place. And that whisper would change the entirety of 2017. And God, we thank you in advance for all that you're gonna do in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's give you one more shout of praise. Excellent. Fantastic. Why don't you grab your seats? It's uh, so good to see all the other campuses. I know I've been to most of the campuses, and uh, it's really cool to be back again um, at Equippers. I did. I moved to America uh, in August. Uh, we went for three months, and uh, just because God called us to go, and uh, I'll you know, I'll always be an Aussie at heart. And that's probably not a good thing to say in a Kiwi church. So just forgive me, okay, right? Come on, deal with your offense. And uh, we're in church. And, uh, you know, so I'll always be an Aussie at heart. But since going to America, I've been there about three and a half months. And I'm now legitimately 6% American. The reason I'm 6% American is because when I left, I was about 102 kilograms. And now I'm about 109. So this part here was legitimately born in America. And uh, I'm trying to kill the American part in 2017. But um, it's, I tell you, it's not easy living in America. The food is bad. Anyway, but uh, before I get to this word, I don't want to take too long, but I've got some resources and I really believe it will help people. This one in particular is my story. It's called To Hell and Back. It was the first thing I ever put together because every time I'd preach, I'd get mums, dads, aunties, uncles, grandparents that would come to me with tears in their eyes saying, I wish so-and-so could have been here to hear your story. Uh, for those that don't know, I was a drug addict for 13 years, uh, mentally ill, I was hearing voices, but was radically saved by the power of God. And uh, tonight in Auckland and Manukau, uh, Manukau, how do I say it properly, Manukau, uh, I'm actually sharing my whole story. So I want to encourage you. You can bring people, um, but, but also you can get this. And, uh, and then there's a heap, of, I'm not going to talk about a heap of other CDs that deal with fear, insecurity, changing your mind. Uh, and there's a USB that has about 14 messages. They're normally 55, but they're only $40 uh, today. I want to talk a message for 2017 uh, called Get Out of the Boat. And I remember, you know, for us in America, you know, people might think, well, you went to America because America was totally opening up and, 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 you know, maybe to make more money or, you know, the reality is we, we, I don't even have that many invitations in America. We went because God said go. And, and we've stepped out in faith. We've got out of the boat. And, uh, but I remember a time five years ago where I was the campus pastor for James McPherson on the Sunshine Coast. And if you know the Sunshine Coast, it's a beautiful place. It's a church of about 1,500 people. And uh, you know, I was living the dream in a sense and, and you know, living in this beautiful place and finally getting okay money and, and, you know, a great known church in Australia. And God spoke to me, He said, I want you to step away from your paid pastoral position and just go on the road to wherever I call you to go. 
And, and I remember, uh, obviously, I talked to my pastor, and over six months we processed it, and eventually we stepped out. And I remember the three months where it was leading up to before it was going to come time that they would stop paying me for being the campus pastor, and I would step into this new season. And if I'll be honest with you, almost every single night, fear would just nip at my heels. And I would just lay in bed thinking about, what am, this is the stupidest thing ever. Why would I leave this great job? And what if no one invites me to preach? And what if I can't afford to pay the mortgage and feed our family? And what if I preach somewhere and it's the worst ever message that anybody's ever heard and somebody puts it on Instagram? Hashtag worst message ever. Hashtag he'll never preach again. And, and you know, I would just lay in bed for months. And I would just think, and, and fear would just attack and attack and attack and attack. And can I tell you though, the five years that I've experienced since that moment have been the most fruitful, exciting, amazing five years that I've ever experienced. Uh, I, I finished school in grade 10. I've flown all around the world to so many different countries. I've seen thousands, probably tens of thousands of people give their lives to Jesus Christ. I've seen drug addicts that were so bound, but in a moment they were set free from the power of God. I've seen people with depression that were so heavy for 10 years every day, but in a moment of prayer, completely set free. And probably my most, uh, my favorite testimony in the five years, a lady that I went to this encounter weekend where people were just believing to get a touch from God and breakthrough. And the leaders had told me there was this lady that had battled with anxiety and for two years and she'd had it so bad that there was a point for a whole year that she couldn't even leave her home. She had two beautiful little girls. She was married and sort of would go to church every now and again, but had this 12-month period. And I meet her before the first session of our encounter weekend and we start chatting and she tells me her story. She says, it's a miracle that I'm even at an event like this with what I struggle with. And, and so I do my first session. It's about sort of letting go. And, and I go to her first. You know, everyone's just getting ready to be prayed for. And I go to her first because in my mind, I'm like, well, I know the issue. We've already spoken. I'm going to go and pray for anxiety to leave this lady. And as I'm walking over to this lady, as clear as day, I feel the Holy Spirit speak to me. And he says, Lucas, anxiety's not the problem. It's what her dad did to her when she was a little girl. And I remember she had her eyes closed and I was, my heart starts to beat fast because, you know, again, what if you're wrong? And, and, I, and I say, hey, I just feel this is what the Holy Spirit said, that anxiety's not the problem, but it was what your dad did to you when you were a little girl. And as soon as I said those words, she began to cry uncontrollably. And as she's there weeping, I saw this picture of God the Father. And he was holding her with her head against his bosom and, and he was just comforting her. And I shared this picture and now she starts to cry even more uncontrollably. And eventually I went off and prayed for other people. And at the end of the night, we're having supper and she sits down and she says, you know, she says, when I was a little girl, my mother abandoned us when I was two years old. She said, she left us with our stepdad. He sexually abused me my whole childhood. She said, I've sort of been in and out of church, but the one thing that I could never get is whenever they talked about God the Father as a loving dad, I could never see it. But tears started to stream down her, her face and she said, tonight I saw him as my loving father. <clears throat> That lady has not had one bit of anxiety since that moment. That lady is living a blessed, flourishing life. That lady's not just on the welcome team at her church, she now runs the welcome team at her church. <clears throat> and I start to think, as I live this crazy adventure, what if I'd never gone? 
what if I had have let the fear become too much? And I mean, I was already doing stuff for God. What if I just continued on with what I was doing? Imagine the adventure that I would have missed out on. But imagine what people needed that God had put in me and was for them to help them go to the next level. And when I think like this, as we step into a new year, and I'm sure it'll be true for you, when you think back at the most pivotal moments in your life, when you think back to the moments that brought the most fruit, the most excitement, the most blessing, it'll often, almost always come back to a moment where you took a risk. It'll, take, it'll come back to a moment where you did something different. It'll come back to a moment where you stepped out of the boat. Maybe it was to finally ask that girl out. Maybe it was to go back to school, to university. Maybe it was to start a business. Maybe it was to go to Bible college. Maybe it was to get involved in a different area of the church. But so often when we see these incredible uh, blessed seasons of our life, they come back to a risk, to a step of faith. Remember Peter, he, uh, you know the story, hang on a second, excuse me. Sorry about that. Remember Peter, he, he has that moment where he sees Jesus and all of the disciples were petrified. They thought they'd seen a ghost. And, and Jesus says, don't worry, it's me. And, and Peter says, Jesus, if it's you, call me to come. And Jesus says, come. And Peter, the first fully human, steps out of a boat and starts to walk on water. Remember, he eventually takes his eyes off Jesus. But Jesus immediately grabs him and puts him back on the boat. And the scripture says they all began to worship and declare that Jesus was the Son of God. When God gave me this message, he gave me this, a prophetic statement, a prophetic sentence that I'm about to share right now that sort of uh, captures this, this sermon. And later, a word picture he just put in my spirit. But, but the statement is this, that most water walking experiences eventually become your boat. Most water walking experiences will eventually become your boats. What does that mean? What started off as a water walking experience, God, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to do marriage. I don't know how to do children. I, I don't know how to run a business. And when it first started, you were on the water, <clears throat> excuse me, and you were like, Jesus, I don't know how to do this. But eventually, what once was a crazy water walking experience will become your place of comfort. It'll become your normal because we're called to go from faith to faith, to faith again, to faith again, to faith again. See, and eventually you should step out, but eventually you grow into that particular thing. And now the very thing that once freaked you out has now become your normal. It's become your place of comfort. God wants you to keep stepping out. He wants you to keep being on the water. You know, the reality for us going to America, after five years, it was our place of comfort. It was pretty easy. I could fill my calendar easy. I, I knew how to sort of work it in a sense, but now we're back out on the water. I want to answer this question from the, from the Scripture. We're going to look at the text in a moment. We're going to work it backwards. Uh, the Scripture about Peter walking on water. But I want to answer this question. Because there were 12 disciples in the boat, but why was it that only one walked on water? 12 men of God. 12 leaders. 12 people that loved Jesus. Let's just pretend that Judas did, okay? It just makes it easier. 
They, they weren't just leaders, they were servants, they loved Jesus, but they were men of faith because all of them had left their vocation to follow Jesus Christ. So why was it that only one walked on water and what was it that caused the 11 to stay in the boat? Why is it that you can meet 12 Christian businessmen but one just keeps walking on water and the other 11, they still love Jesus, they still serve. Why is it that you can meet that one mum, uh, you know, that, that just keeps walking on water with her children and seeing the blessing and favour of God? And I want to answer that question, but before we answer it, I want to make some observations along the way. Uh, verses 32 and 33, remember, I'm at the end of the story. We're going to work it backwards to the answer. Verse 32 and 33 of Matthew 14, have we got that scripture? Here we go. So Peter has sank because he took his eyes off Jesus and we're at the end. It says, and when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Next one. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him saying, truly, you are the son of God. See, every time a human being walks on water, the result is always other people worshipping Jesus and declaring, truly, he is the son of God. See, we don't live in a time where we have Jesus in the flesh. The world only has you. And they, need to, they need you to be a person that's not just singing about all that Jesus can do, but that you would be a person in your business, in your family, in your finance, that you would just be walking on the water and everybody else would be worshipping Jesus and declaring, truly, he must be the son of God because I've seen you walk on water. The second thing is in verses... Uh, 30 and 31. And it says here, but when he saw the wind, this is Peter, he was afraid to begin his sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Next one. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand. He caught him, you have little faith. He said, why did you doubt? I love that this is included because in our social media, sort of Insta, Facebook world that we live in, this never would have been included. See, all we would have seen was the selfie of Peter on the water with Jesus in the background. Hashtag who needs a surfboard. But isn't it true? We never would have seen the, 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 the sinking part. I'm so glad that this is included because it tells me you don't have to be perfect to do something awesome for Jesus. You can have a moment where you give in a fear or take your eyes off Jesus, but we have a God that says immediately he pulls you back up on the boat. Immediately he lifts you back up again. I'm so glad that this is included. And then in verse 29, we, we see... The moment where Jesus calls him to come, he says, Peter got down in the boat, he walked on water. Oh, sorry, come was the first part. Come, he said, and Peter walked on water. And if you've been around a while, you've heard a message that, that tells you that the only way you can walk on water is to hear the words of Jesus saying, come. And it's a powerful truth. You can't walk on water without that moment of Jesus saying, come on, come. I believe today in every campus, there's gonna be a whole lot of people that hear the words, come. It's time to come. It's time to step out. It's time to see, but I'll come back to this, but a lot of people can live their whole lives in the boat and it's Jesus's fault because he never said come. I'm gonna come back to that in a moment. Here's the answer why Peter stepped out and the others didn't. Verse 28, it says this, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me another translation says, call me to come. 
to you on the water. See, the simple answer as why Peter walked on water and the others didn't is because Peter had a spirit that said, call me to come. Peter had a spirit on the inside that said, come on, I'm called to do something amazing. I'm called to change the world. Come on, Jesus, call me to come to you. Call me to come. See, see, I don't believe that, that, that if Andrew had have piped up first and said, Jesus, call me to come. I don't believe that Jesus was gonna say, I'm sorry, Andrew, but Peter has been predestined to walk on water. See, I believe they could have had the first ever Olympian synchronized water walking team. They could have all linked hands and said, come on, let's do this thing together. But there was only one that had a spirit that said, call me to come. There was only one that had something on the inside that said, I'm on this planet to do the extraordinary. I'm on this planet to do miracles. He had a spirit that said, call me to come. See, when you have, remember I said to you, so many people live their whole life in the boat and really it's Jesus' fault because he never said come. I can't control whether or not Jesus says come. That's his prerogative. But I can control whether or not I have a spirit that keeps saying, call me to come, Jesus. Call me to come. Because nine times out of ten, when you have a spirit that says, call me to come, you will hear the words of Jesus saying, come on, come on. Let me give you a practical example. When you have your big miracle offering, you do those here once a year, your big miracle offering. If you started praying a prayer like, God, I've given X amount before, but I wanna do something crazy. I wanna do something that might scare me a little bit. Nine times out of 10, you'll hear the words of Jesus, come. But normally we don't hear the come because we don't pray that kind of prayer. That kind of prayer only comes when you've got a spirit that says, come on, call me to come. I wanna do something crazy for Jesus Christ. Peter had a spirit that said, call me to come. You know, I wanna give you three practical things of what kept the 11 in the boat. And they often keep us in the boat and each point I'll counteract how Peter was different to the 11. The first thing that kept the 11 in the boat was simply the comfort of the boat. Because who knows when you're out in the ocean, those wooden decks feel pretty comfortable. Those nice bench seats, that little room that you can go down and have a little sleep, it's a pretty comfortable place to be when you are on the water. See, the disciples were trapped by the comfort of the boat. The word picture that God gave me with this message that I believe was prophetic is he showed me this picture that when you step out of the boat and you walk on water, remember I said it will eventually become your boat? What happens each time when you step out, the boat becomes a little bit bigger. In other words, there's a little bit more finance now. There's a little bit more influence. There's a little bit more blessing and then you, you do it again, and it's like, oh, time to go again. You're on the water, and it's like, oh, I don't know how to do this, Jesus. But, but now the new boat that is formed is a little bit bigger and a little bit more comfortable. And what can so happen, especially the older that we get, we get to a point in our life where the boat is just too good and too comfortable. So I stop having a spirit that says, call me to come, because I don't want to risk losing the boat that I'm in. Can I tell you, the, the boat that we were in after five years in Australia, it was a pretty comfortable boat. We had a nice house. We were doing really well financially. Now we've gone back to a tiny little house. 
But you know what? I don't want to stay in the comfort of the boat. I want to keep stepping out because I want to keep seeing the new boat, the new influence, the new blessing, the new fruit that God has for my life. It was the comfort of the boat. It gets harder the older we get. I remember when we first stepped out in faith, I was just newly married. We were the youth pastors at our church and we were both working jobs. The church was paying us $50 a week and God called both of us to quit our jobs and be the youth pastors. We lived on $50 a week for the whole 12 months, but we saw supernatural finance just come and flow into our lives. And people say, wow, you're an incredible man of faith, but let's sort of boil it down a little bit. We were in a rental. We didn't own anything. What was the worst that was going to happen? We would end up with nothing, which we had already had before. Do you understand what I'm saying? We didn't have children. Yes, there was a step of faith, but there wasn't a whole lot of risk in it. But now the further you go, because we've followed the call of God, and now we've got a house, and now we've got children, and then we had a good car. And, and, and so all of a sudden, the boat becomes bigger and it becomes harder to step out. It's the comfort of the boat that stopped them. See, there's nothing wrong with having stuff. It's just whether the stuff has you and stops you from stepping out of the boat. How was Peter different? Peter had a conviction that he was called for more. See, Peter enjoyed the comfort of the stuff, but there was a conviction in here that said, you know what, I'm gonna enjoy the season of the stuff, but what is greater is the conviction that I have that I'm on this planet to do more. I've got a conviction that I'm called to do more. He had a conviction that he was called to do more. You know, I remember when we... Uh, move from the Gold Coast to Townsville. And just to put it in context, it would be like moving from Auckland to Invercargill. You don't want to move to Townsville, okay? The Gold Coast is nice. I hope I didn't offend anyone from Invercargill. We're definitely not streaming to that campus, are we? <coughs> Good. <coughs> but but it, it's, so, so here we are, I was youth pastor and finally I was getting paid and had a church car and started to preach a bit around the Gold Coast and I get this opportunity to go and serve a guy called James McPherson in Townsville. And he had sort of said, look, I've got a job for you, but it doesn't start for a year. I can start paying you in a year to do this particular job. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> and, uh, and he says, look, it's up to you. You could either wait a year or you could come now and just go and get a normal job. And so we're praying about, and I would have friends that knew me, ministry friends. They'll be like, why in the world would you leave the Gold Coast to go to Townsville and you're not even gonna be in ministry anymore. And I remember it really started to bother me because see really what it was, it was the comfort of the boat that I was in. I was saying, well, I don't wanna leave this boat. I'm starting to preach here and I just got a new car and, and they're paying me finally okay. And, and now to me, it's like now I'm going backwards and I was really wrestling with the comfort. And I remember T.D. Jakes preaching at Hillsong and he preached this message and <clears throat> he talked about all of his brothers and sisters were taught by his mum before they went to school, they had to be able to count to 100. He says, but when I got to school, I realized you don't need to count to 100, you just need to be able to count to 10 because it just keeps repeating itself. And then he gets on the front step of the Hillsong stage. Just imagine there's a big step here and he counts one, two, three, four, five, six, and he gets all the way to 10. And then he says these words that just messed me up because I was struggling with the comfort and he says, most people never get to be a 20 in life 
because they don't have the ability to give up being a 10. Because to get to 20, you've got to give up being a 10 and you've got to go all the way back to become an 11 on the next level. You've got to start again. And then he said, you've got to give up to go up. See, sometimes God can't give you the thing because you're still holding too tightly to the last thing. It's time to go to the next level. It's time to step out of the boat. Two more quick points. The second thing that kept the 11 in the boat is that they watched their leader with a spectator mentality. See, the 11 was sitting there. They were all watching the same show that Peter was watching. But the 11 were spectators. Did, did you know he could walk on water? Have you ever seen him? Can you look at him? He's, Jesus is walking on water. They watched him as a spectator watching the show. See, you've got incredible leaders in this church in all of your campuses. Pastor Sam is an inc- one of the great preachers of, of, our, of this nation and of the world. But if you listen to Pastor Sam's message with a spectator mentality, you'll get nothing out of it. See, because the Bible says there's power in being a doer of the Word. So in other words, see, how do you come to church? Do you come as a spectator or do you come as a participant? Did you come to see a show or did you come to see what can I change in my life? What can I do differently? What can I put into practice? See, that's when you see the blessing of God in your life. See, how was Peter different? He watched Jesus as a participant. He was watching the same show, but Peter was sitting there going, hang on, if, if, if Jesus is walking on water, then why can't I walk on water? If I just do the same things that he did, and I follow what he did, then surely if he's walking on water, then I could walk on water too. See, one, 11 watched as spectators, but one watched as a participant. You know, in my own life, the only reason I stepped out on $50 a week for 12 months is because six months before a man came to our church and he told a story of how he stepped out in faith. He gave away his restaurant business. He lived on no money for 12 months to serve in the church. And I remember hearing that message of this mighty man of God and I went straight from that conference down to a park where I used to pray and I remember begging God, saying, God, call me to quit my job. God, I'm called to do what you, you know, I wanna live for you, God. He didn't do it then, but it was six months later that God said, call me to come because I watched someone with a participant mentality. Last point, just if the keyboarder could come, that would be cool. And this is probably the biggest one that I wanna pray into in just a moment one that we all experienced, the thing that kept them in the boat simply was fear. Fear kept the 11 in the boat. You know, the scripture says when they saw Jesus that they were all afraid. All of them had fear in their hearts. They were all afraid. It's not wrong to experience fear. It's just wrong to act out of fear. Every human being experiences fear, but it's just what we do when fear comes, that we say, no, I will not submit to fear, but I'm gonna submit to faith. I'm gonna step out in faith rather than fear. See, really, if you think about it, having a spirit that says, call me to come, starts with a prayer life. It starts with what you're believing for in life. It starts with what you're praying for. 
But if you have fear ruling in your life, you will never pray prayers that come from a spirit that says, call me to come. Because fear will not even enable you to be able to pray the prayers that would cause Jesus to say the words, come. And like I said, sometimes we blame Him. Well, He never said, come. But often we've never had a spirit that said, Jesus, come on, call me to come. I'm gonna push fear to the side. I'm gonna start praying some dangerous prayers in 2017. How was Peter different? See, because think about it, Peter was included in the group. It didn't say they were all afraid except Peter. All 12 of them were afraid. But, but if, you, if you, you've you got to look between the Scripture to find out how Peter was different. See, because there's this moment where all 12 of them were afraid. But then there's this moment where Peter's literally walking on water and then we see this moment where he takes his eyes of Jesus and he starts to sink. So somewhere in the middle, if you read between the lines, it shows me that how Peter was different is yes, Peter was afraid, but if he took his eyes off Jesus, there was a moment where Peter locked eyes with the Son of God. He locked eyes with Jesus. He looked into the eyes of Jesus Christ and fear started to, to get off his life. And as he looked at Jesus, he thought, well, I, yeah, I can walk on water. I can do all things. I can do this. I can do it. See, the way that you deal with fear is you simply lock eyes with Jesus. That's why prayer is so important. I tell you, this trip to America, I'm praying more than I've ever prayed before because I have to keep locking eyes with Jesus or I'm in trouble. Last story and then we're gonna pray. I remember a time where fear really tried to rob me from a great blessing. Like I said, I've been on itinerant for five years. My wife was working as a teacher and she was like a substitute teacher or a relief teacher, you know, where she'd get called in to replace sick teachers. And I had this issue that came out of fear where I put this extra pressure on her to work too much, to earn enough money. And I'd always be like, you know, have you rang enough schools? Have you tried enough to get out? And there's nothing wrong with two people in a family working. It's a normal part of today's society. But for my family, with what I was doing in life, where sometimes I would be away for two or three weeks, and then I'd be home for three days and then I'd go again for a week. Every weekend, my wife is often like a single mum. And so just for my family, my wife was graced to be able to do the itinerant life. But the thing that sort of blew it all out of proportion was the pressure to also work and live this kind of life. And it would cause her to just be really stressed. And I would, out of fear of not having enough, I'd be always putting pressure on her. Hey, have you rang enough schools? Have you tried enough? How many days are you gonna work this week? One day we were watching a, a, a giving series by Robert Morris called The Blessed Life. One of the best series you could ever listen to on giving. Even the fact of sitting down watching three hours of videos about giving comes from a spirit that says, call me to come. Because what a stupid thing to do. You know how it's gonna end you're basically paying money for the video to give your money away. 
And he talks about three types of giving, the tithe that belongs to God, the over and above, that you know you support ministries or different things or you bless someone with. And he talks about the third type, which just happens seasonally, extravagant giving. We see it where the lady broke a year's wages worth of perfume just to anoint Jesus for burial. It's extravagant. And as we got to the end of this message, because we've lived this kind of life, we've had those moments where we fully stepped out and sowed big time. And it had been a little while. And as we got to the end of this message, both of us looked at each other and we just knew. So it's time to do extravagant, isn't it? I said, let's just, to my wife, I said, let's just take some time and we'll pray and see what God wants us to do. And in my heart, I said, God, it's normally me the one that says how much. Why don't you let Jackie tell, tell, say it this time? And as soon as I said that in my mind, she jumps out and says, I feel like God's already told me what to do. And then out of pride, I said in my heart, she'd never give as much as me. She says, I feel like God's told me to give my whole year's wages away to help sex slaves. I said, get behind me, Satan. That is not from God. I said, what? She was earning probably between five to $800 every week. I was already fasting the next day. I said, I'm gonna fast and pray. And I just, I need to hear this as well. And I always, when I fast and pray, I try and pray three times a day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And for me, because of what I'm called to do, I always pray for brokenness, people that are broken, mental illness, addiction, whatever it is, people that are broken. And so I pray, do my three, and after three sort of prayers, I feel like, yeah, you know, she was close to being right, but it's not a whole year's wages, just a day a week. She could probably earn, I think, 250 to 300 for being a relief teacher. And so I went to her after one day, I said, look, I feel like, you know, you're, you're sort of on the money, but we're, just, we're gonna do one day a week. She says, yeah, whatever you reckon. I pray the next day, morning, lunch, dinner. And what normally happens is I do this, the prayer gets more intense. And I start praying for brokenness. And, you know, it starts off, oh, God, help people that are trapped. But, you know, day two, it's like, God, I, I just pray people that are mentally ill, that are addicted, that are in prison, that are trapped. And I get to the third day, and it's my ninth prayer, and it's my last one. And now I'm like, God, people that are trapped, God, use me to rescue them. You, and, I, and I'm weeping, and I'm crying. And then as I'm crying, praying for people that are trapped, it's like I have this moment where I realize here I am praying for people to be rescued. And my wife wants to give her whole wages away to help people be rescued. And now I'm crying and I don't know if I'm crying because I realize I've got to give all my money away <laughs> or because we're gonna help broken people. I went to my wife and I apologized. I said, I, you were so right. It was amazing. It was term two in Australia. We have four terms. So term two, every week, she'd go to work. And whether it was 500, 800, whatever it was, we just, we gave it to a ministry that helps sex slaves. But the miracle that really happened was what happened in me. Because I had this fear-based issue that would put pressure on my wife to work. Now, if I'd be honest with you, I don't care how many days a week you work, because I'm not getting any of the money. Actually, maybe you should work a bit less. And for the whole of term two, 10 weeks, we just gave that money. Week three comes and we went on our first sort of big overseas trip. We went to Europe for about two and a half weeks. And it was 
week one, two, and half of week three of term three. And with relief teaching, if you don't keep saying yes to do schools, they stop asking you when they ask the next person on the list because they don't want people saying no. So we come back week three and no one rings. Week four, no one rings. Week five, week six, week seven, week eight. After about week eight, term three, I'm like, you haven't worked this whole term. And in that moment, it was like we both just realized you're not actually meant to work for what we're called to do. You know, from that moment, what I was earning as an itinerant supernaturally went up more than the amount that she was earning and I didn't change one thing. See, because we stepped out of the boats. And you might say, well, you didn't give the whole money. I believe in God's economy, we did give the whole, because we said, God, our whole year's wage, we're giving it to you. And through taking a step of faith where fear would have stopped me from stepping out of the boats. But God had this greater level of blessing, this, this greater level of influence. But fear wants to stop you from stepping out of the boat in 2017. And it's time to throw fear off and say, God, I'm ready to step out of the boat. I'm ready to do the thing that I've been called to do. I'm ready to walk on water. God, I want people in my world to start to worship Jesus and declare that truly He's the Son of God because they're watching me walk on the water. I'm going to ask every person in every campus to stand to your feet. I wanna do two things. And then we're gonna give people an opportunity to give their lives to Jesus in 2017. But here's what I wanna do. If you know, and this might be every single person, but if you know that there's fear that's stopping you from stepping out, worry, anxiety are forms of fear. If you know that there's some fear that's just stopping you from doing all that God's called you to do. In every single campus, with every eye closed, I want you to lift both hands to heaven right now if that's you and I'm gonna pray for you. Yeah, so many people, nearly every person. Because first what we're gonna do is we're gonna break the spirit of fear. And then what we're gonna do is we're gonna allow that moment for Father to whisper to His kids. So right now, every single person in every campus I take authority right now over the spirit of fear in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank You that You have not given us a spirit of fear, but You have given us a spirit of power, one of love and one of self-control. I break anxiety. There it is. I break anxiety in the name of Jesus Christ. I break anxiety in the name of Jesus Christ. Right now, I break it in Jesus' name. I break worry in the name of Jesus. Right now, I see it gone in the name of Jesus. I see it gone in the name of Jesus. I see it gone in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, every single person, I break fear. Right now, let it fall to the ground. Just for the young lady with the glasses, lift your hands to heaven right now. Yeah, you. Father, in the name of, I tell you, the power of God's all over you right now. And He's breaking anxiety. He's breaking fear off your life. And I tell you, I see you. I see you in 2017 just walking on water. I see you doing the impossible. I see other people looking at you and they're surprised. They're saying, seriously? I never thought you had it in you. And God's going to shock them in a sense. God's going to shock them because you're going to do something in 2017 that just causes you to be walking on water. And everybody's going to look and just be amazed. I tell you, 
this is your year in the name of Jesus. Fear is broken. Anxiety is no more in the name of Jesus. And now every single person, why don't you lift your hands to heaven? And just in, in the next couple minutes, would you stir yourself up like Peter that had a moment where he said, call me to come. I feel like some of you need to deal with the Spirit because you've been around a long time and it's almost like even as I said that, you were like, I oh, here we go again. Now come on, push that to the side. Start to stir it up again. Start to say, come on. Come on, Jesus, call me to come. Jesus, I don't want 2017 to be the same as 16 and 15 and 14. God, let 17 be the year that blows my mind. Jesus, come on, right now in this place. Right now, stir it up. A spirit that says, call me to come. Come on, a spirit that says, call me to come. Come on, just in your heart, come on. Start to say, Jesus, would you call me to come? Come on, in Tauranga, in lower heart. Come on, in every single campus, call me to come. Call me to come. Call me to come. Come on, every person, lift your hands to heaven. Come on. Come on, don't miss this moment. Don't miss this moment. Come on, call me to come. Call me to come. Call me to come. And now with every hand raised, both hands raised in the air. See, it could never be a preacher that says come. The preacher might confirm the fact that Jesus has already said come, but it's not the preacher's role to say come. And in this two minutes right now, I feel it so strong that there are gonna be so many people in every single campus that as your hands are raised in this moment, you're gonna hear dad's words, loving dad, that he's gonna say, come, come on daughter, come on daughter, you know what it is, it's time to come, it's time to step out, come on, we've broken fear, it's time to step out. See, for some people, it's to start that business. For some business people, it's to start another business to add to the one that you've already got. For some of you, it's to go to Bible college. For some of you, it is to ask that girl out that you believe is, is, is part of your destiny. Come on, with every hand raised, let him whisper in every campus. Because he's got something for every single person your own unique calling that no one else can do. Spirit of God, would you breathe in this place? There it is. Come on, I can see it. I can see it. I see tears coming down people's faces because they're hearing the King. They're hearing their dad say, come, come, come. It's time to step out. It's time to leave the past in the past. It's time to leave the excuses behind. It's time to step in to a new season, a new blessing. It's time to come in the name of Jesus. Holy Ghost, it's time to come. It's time to come. Spirit of God, move in this place. Move in this place. Holy Ghost, move in this place. Come on, just for, just for a minute longer. Come on, lift your hands. Come on, it's time to move. I want to just pray for you. I hope I don't freak you out, but I pray right now, Father, in the name of Jesus. There it is. There it is. That's Dad. He's saying, come. He's saying, daughter, it's time. He's saying, daughter, I've prepared you. 
I've prepared you. You feel like you're not ready, but I've been preparing you your whole life for 2017. And I'm declaring over you that you're going to step in to something brand new. I tell you, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. You know what? I, I even see this. I see you as, a, as an older lady. Oh, Jesus. I see you as an older lady. And you're pointing to a calendar of 2017 and you're saying to your grandchildren that was the year that was the year that it all changed that was the year that something shifted Holy Spirit Holy Spirit in, in 16 and 15 and 14 you were crying out you were asking for change you were saying God it's got to be different but 2017 that, that's the year you're saying that was the year that something shifted it was never the same again Spirit of God, touch you. Holy Ghost. Oh, there it is, power of God. And, and people are going to worship Jesus. And they're going to declare that He's the Son of God because they've watched what you've come through. Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. And all the other years, 14, 15, 16. It's like I see this picture of making a cake. See, 17 was simply when God put the cherry on top and the cake was ready. But 14, 15, and 16 was when the cake was being formed. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, it's a new day in the name of Jesus Christ. It is a brand new day in the name of Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, we just thank you so much. One last prayer. Father, every person, come on. Would you just hear him say, come, in every campus? Because remember... The power of this message is not what happens in here. The power of this message is when people participate to the words come. That they would go from here and say, He spoke. And now I'm going to act. Now I'm going to act. Yeah, fear is going to keep nipping, but I'm going to act. I'm going to walk on water. Just last as I close every person in this place in every campus. The thing you got to do right at the start before you live this great adventurous life with a loving dad is have a moment in your life where you surrender your life to Him. And I want to pray for two groups of people. One, you've never ever given your life to Jesus Christ. Maybe someone brought you along. Maybe it was the start of a new year and you said, you know what, why don't I just try church out? For me, it was 16 years ago, the first time I gave my life to Jesus, He broke off my addictions. He brought healing and wholeness to my heart. He gave me a future and a destiny and purpose. If you've never, ever given your life to Jesus in every campus, in just a moment, I'm gonna count to three. And if that's you, you're saying, hey, today's the day I wanna give my life to Jesus. On three, I'll get you to lift your hand. There'll also be another group of people in every campus that you've done this before, maybe many times. But you know today you're just not right with God. Somewhere along the road, you took a wrong turn and you found yourself away from God. You know, the thing that I love about being people being away from God is the furthest that you can ever be from God. Like the absolute furthest, because you can get to a place where you feel like, man, I am so far from God. But the furthest that you can ever be from God in your life is one sentence. One sentence. 
that says, God, I'm sorry for where I've ended up and what I've done. Would you come and live in my heart again? And he says, I've been waiting for you to say that. I want to pray for those two groups of people. One, you've never done this before or two. Today, you're drawing a line in the sand in 2017 and said, I've been away from God, but today I'm giving my life back to God. With every eye closed in every campus, every head bowed in every campus. And a count to three, and if that's you, you'd say, Lucas, include me in your prayer. I'm not gonna bring you out the front, but I'm gonna ask you to lift your hand so I know who to pray for. So every eye closed, every head bowed. One, friend, I tell you, He loves you more than you've ever dreamed or imagined. Two, it doesn't matter what you've done, where you've been, or who you are. You're God's precious son or precious daughter. Three, all over this place. Lift your hands to heaven quickly right now. Yeah, lift your hands to heaven. Yeah, see your hand there. See your hand. See your hand. Holy Spirit, yeah, see your hand. See your hand there as well. See your hand over there. So good. People just getting right. People getting right with God. Yeah, see your hand up in the balcony. So good. Come on, just lift your hand right now if that's you. Lift your hand. Yeah, man, I see the lady. I see your hand there as well. Come on, someone else. Just lift your hand to heaven right now if that's you. Lift your hand to heaven right now. Just with every eye closed, I'm just about done. Every person that lifted their hand in every campus, would you just lift your hand one more time, nice and high, every eye closed, because I don't want to miss one person. Nice and high, just nice and high. You're saying today, yeah, up in the balcony there, so good. Just every single person, yeah, lady right there, lady over there, lady down here, lady over there, so good. Is there anyone I've missed? I don't want to miss one person. Guy at the back there, so good. Awesome, you can put your hands down. Another person down here. Great. One of our team in our churches will have seen you and they're going to come and have a chat with you and see if there's any way we can help you. And, but let me quickly pray a prayer and then Ed's going to come. For all those people that have given their lives to God, repeat these words and simply invite in Jesus in your life. But what we're going to do is, as a church family, we're going to pray the prayer with you because we're going to support this moment. So let's all pray together in every campus. Say, Dear Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die for my sins. Thank you that you forgive me for everything that I've done wrong. Today, I give you my life. Help me to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give God praise. Let's pass that.